This is what I keep asking myself when I'm asking myself, what questions do I want to ask? You know, why? What is it I'm really trying to get at? Is it because I want to do it myself? Is it because I'm feeling that frustration too? Do you, do you see what I mean? Because I think every single person listening to this right now has a different perspective on this world, literally every single person. And we could all go and ask exactly the same questions to the same guests and come up with the same podcast and no one's going to listen. But what will allow us to be unique is to add our own perspective onto this. Are you ready to become a world-class interviewer, stand out with your podcast, and create an incredible audio experience for your listeners so that they keep coming back to your show and become raving fans? Welcome to the Podcast Interview Mastery, a weekly interview show where you will hear world-class podcast hosts and interviewers share their stories, tips, and strategies on how to become a master interviewer and hone your craft as a host. Are you ready to boost your confidence and inspire the masses? If so, buckle up, my friend, because this podcast will show you how. I'm your host, Tibor Nod, founder and host of the top-ranked Mindset Horizon podcast. What is up, my friend? Welcome back to the Podcast Interview Mastery Show. Thank you so much for tuning into this podcast today. In this episode, you will learn how to ask deeper questions and make a hit podcast. I assume that you are an established podcaster who has been rocking the mic for a while now, but if you happen to be someone who is just thinking about starting your own show, I would highly recommend you check out my Podcast Mastery course at mindsethorizon.com forward slash course. That's mindsethorizon.com forward slash course. There I'm teaching you step-by-step how to start your authority-building podcast from scratch and take your impact, influence, and income to the next level. If you have any questions either related to the course or podcasting in general, do not hesitate to schedule a completely free discovery call with me at mindsethorizon.com forward slash free call. That's mindsethorizon.com forward slash free call or shoot me an email at tibor at mindsethorizon.com. All right, so my guest today is Richard Mitson, who is a former news anchor, editor, and journalist on UK radio. He's also a YouTuber who made a show which gained 1.6 million views across its episodes. He's a podcaster and makes a show called Can I Make a Hit Podcast and is currently working on a show called How Not to Get All Them Boring. And finally, he also used to help prepare the leader of the third largest political group in the European Parliament for media interviews. But Richard's greatest passion is helping others get heard. He's always believed that not enough people are getting their stories across in the media. He wants to help every podcast interview master listener to ask great questions and answer them too as guests in order to help them share their stories with the world. At the beginning of today's episode, we talked about Richard's journey with podcasting and the importance of curiosity as an interviewer. We also talked about the correlation between passion and curiosity. In the middle, we dove deeper into rapport building and we discussed the art of asking deeper questions. Richard explained the difference between open-ended and closed questions and when to use which and why. Closer to the end of the episode, we talked about verbal and non-verbal communication elements in an interview, and Richard shared some of his findings of what makes a hit podcast. 
As always, you can check out the free resources, links, detailed show notes, and book recommendations at mindsethorizon.com forward slash interview. That's again, mindsethorizon.com forward slash interview. And so without any further ado, please enjoy today's episode with Richard Mitson. Richard, welcome to the podcast interview mastery show. Thank you very much for having me on. I think it's a really interesting topic that you're looking into here. So I am really looking forward to our chat today. Yeah, me too. And thank you so much for coming on the show. I'm super excited about this conversation. And uh, I kind of like wanted to start with your journey. We talked about this a little bit before I hit the record button, because you're a former news anchor, editor and journalist on UK radio. And so I'm curious about your journey with podcasting specifically, and also how you got to the point where you decided that you're going to launch one of your latest podcasts, which is Can I Make a Hit Podcast? Big question. So how did you get to this point? Yeah, so, so where did it all go wrong? It's interesting because I, I know that you like to talk about the sort of the mindset of things as well. And oh, yeah. when I was listening to some of your shows and I thought, okay, well, what, what would be useful to kind of pass on some of my experience here? And when I was age 16 and 17, I was so shy, I could barely talk. When I was, was it 17 or 16 like that? I used to go into this class every week and I sat next to this person and I was so shy. I don't think I spoke to them all year. And it was that bad. And then when I went to university, I started to discover things that I was interested in. You know, I think a lot of us, when we're younger, tend to feel quite lost. And as you start to find things that you're passionate about, then you start to connect with people. And I think this all relates to podcasting because we all have something that we are interested in. And I was interested at the time in motorsport. And I started to hang out with people that like rally driving and, and competitive motorsport and getting to know them, started to come out of my shell, started to enjoy myself, set up the motor club at the university and realized that actually I quite enjoyed standing in front of people and talking and organizing things and stuff like that. And because I'd had to come out of my shell, I had to try and work out mentally how to do that. It wasn't just instinctive to come out of my shell. I had to sort of make actual steps to do it. So I started to become fascinated by people. You know, why was it that some people could stand up there on TV or stand up there on a stage and go and deliver something amazing? Why can't I do it? And I became more and more curious about this, more and more curious how people do these things. And my nosiness, this is something we were also talking about before we started recording, yeah. started to develop. And if you don't know what I mean by that, as we were saying to you, is what does nosy mean if you don't know this? It means that you just want to know what's going on around you. You want to literally stick your nose, you know, on the end of your face. You want to stick it into the conversation. You want to stick it into that event that's going on. And you want to understand it. And you hate not understanding it. And this curiosity led me to um, get involved in hospital radio, which is a sort of charity radio in hospitals. I ended up getting to know people there that got me into a radio station through a very long story. And uh, two years later, I was the editor at the second biggest news organization in the UK, which is called ITN. Most people have heard of the BBC, but ITN is the second biggest one. So I was an editor there, and we were responsible, I was one of the duty editors, responsible for distributing international and national news to 300 local radio stations around the UK. So it was a wow. pretty big job. I left there because I wanted to be a reporter. I didn't want to sit in an office and 
cut up other people's scripts and cut up audio and tell people what to do. I wanted to get out there. I wanted to, you know, this is what I think all podcasters feel. You want to reach real people, talk to them and engage with them. So I went off to another radio station called LBC, where at first I went out and I hung out with all kinds of different people from criminals to celebrities, um, people in the sex trade, you, you name it, all kinds of really weird things, really wow. interesting things. Um, but then I ended up being told, actually, we need you to present a show. And I thought, oh, no, I don't want to go behind a microphone. You know, how miserable is this? Now, this might sound weird because we're talking about podcasts. <laughs> but I genuinely thought if they don't take me off this within a few weeks, I'm leaving. A couple of weeks after I started, I fell in love with it. Because every single day you were getting to talk to fascinating people, only for a sort of short amount of time. But you got to explore all these wildly different stories and ask important people or people that you've never heard of who had an amazing story to tell, uh, to tell their story. And this was absolutely fascinating. So the only problem with full-time journalism is unless you become a megastar on American TV, it doesn't pay very well. So I actually left that, but I couldn't get rid of my sort of passion for it. So I set up an online YouTube show which was to do with a hobby of mine about private flying. That did reasonably well with, I mean, I got 1.6 million views over the course of the series. Mm, wow. But it was economically not good. Um, so I had to quit that one because it was just taking too much time and too much effort. But my passion kind of died but came back. And I started dabbling with podcasting, started doing odd bits and pieces. And then eventually it's kind of led me to where I am now, where I've tried a few podcasts. And I think, a lot of podcasters can relate to this, is that we try things and they haven't worked out. So we keep trying another thing and then we kind of go, oh, no, this isn't working either. And I finally got to the point where I go, you know, excuse my bluntness, but to hell with this, what does work? So I started a podcast called, as you just mentioned right at the start there, Can I Make a Hit Podcast? And it really is a sort of brutally honest exploration mm. into can I do it? And what do I need to do to make a, in quotes, hit show? So it's it's been a real interesting journey. And now now I'm really enjoying doing this. And this is part-time. I've got a completely different day job now. And this is something that I'm doing um, and developing that project. So that's my journey. Yeah, that's pretty amazing. And you've mentioned a couple of really interesting things. And uh, yeah, one of them is, you know, being fascinated by people. And I just feel the same. And that's why I actually launched the Mindset Horizon podcast well, the show is focused on, you know, very much on helping people expand their horizons in terms of, you know, showing them possibilities through the journeys of, of different entrepreneurs and people who did something uh, outside the box, so to speak. But that's kind of like, you know, I really like to see how or, or basically the psychology behind different actions and stuff. So uh, that's one thing I wanted to uh, get back to and, and and another thing that you've mentioned is curiosity and i think that's that's a huge fuel for all of us i guess who started a podcast because we want to explore some kind of a topic and we want to learn more share more whatever and so that's 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 one of my actually uh biggest fuels i would say also i think i think there's something inside all of us isn't it you know it's like some people kind of go oh i'm not that curious and it's like no i disagree i think we all are I think the only time you think you're not curious is when you're suppressing that curiosity. 
We're always yeah. fascinated by our world. You know, it might be because we're worried about something else in life, so we're not curious about what else is going on. But deep down, all of us are fascinated, like you just said there. You know, we, we're fascinated by what makes people tick, and we want to know what's going on in our world. So, yeah, I, I agree with you totally. It's, it's, it's in the mind. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, I even said something like on the other show, curiosity, the mindset of curiosity. And and this is something that really leads people to their passion because over time they can develop this passion around some kind of a thing that they are curious about. And then and then and then that's because you know a lot of times people ask, okay, so how do I find my passion? And so start with curiosity and what are you curious about? And then just dig deeper there, I would say. So yeah, that's that's our fuel. I think also one of the problems is that, and, and I, I agree with you, I, I've been fascinated by, you know, not just being curious about people, but the self-help sort of ideas as well. And I think sometimes there's a danger that people focus on the word curiosity and they think, oh, I've got to be curious. How do I do that? Mm. And I think that's yeah. the wrong way of doing it because actually curiosity is not a word. It's not a sentence. It's a gut feel. Yeah. You know when you're interested in something. You know, it's a bit like this. Um, you know, when you get to the end of your day and you're tired and miserable, if you suddenly got an offer to do something that you are curious and interested about, you would smile and find the energy instantly. You, you don't have to fake that. You just would. Whereas if someone said, oh, you know what, could you clean the house now? Oh, by the way, could you start with the bathroom or something like that? And you suddenly feel miserable. Well, that's, again, not something that you faked. You genuinely didn't want to do it. Yeah. <laughs> so curiosity isn't something that you've got to force. You've already got it. And you just need to start listening to yourself so that you can find what that is. Yeah. And, and the reason why I wanted to spend some time on this topic, curiosity, is because I think it's really important. And I think you would agree when it comes to interviewing people and, and also choosing the guests and the topics. And one thing I wanted to get back to is you've mentioned that you were very fascinated when you started interviewing people, I mean that 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 was your passion. If I understood that well, is that correct? Yeah, it all came yeah. from being nosy. Yeah, so I'm curious about some of your experiences when it comes to interviewing and and your evolution as an interviewer. So maybe you can share some some of your stories from back then. That's that's a really interesting question it, to use the phrase evolution because it how did it change? I would honestly say that I probably was better when I first started than I was by the end. Oh, really? Wow. And the reason is because when I first started, I, I had no journalism training at all. My entire training for being on the radio was working in a call center say, selling ski holidays. And by the way, I don't ski and I don't like skiing. That was my entire training for, for radio. The rest of it simply came from the fact that I was given an opportunity to sit in front of a microphone and talk to people. Mm. And because yeah. I was, I mean, I don't really remember that, but it was a long time ago now, but there was a guy called Donald Woods and he was, this was during the apartheid era in South Africa. And he was one of the people um, that was a friend of Nelson Mandela. And, uh, and Donald Woods was, was a white person. And he eventually had to escape South Africa before he was thrown in prison and, and locked up. And he escaped to not far away from where I live. Sadly, now um, uh, he's passed away. But he came into the studio and they said, right, you're going in to interview Donald Woods. And I was like, okay. 
So I started wow. looking up about him. It's like, wow, can you imagine what it would be like to go through that journey? Now, you don't have to agree with what he did. You don't have to agree with the politics. But you can't help but be just curious as to what makes someone like that tink. You know, why did they feel the way they did? What experiences did they have? You know, what what was it like to be in a car, driving to the border, not knowing if the police were going to stop you, rip you apart from your family and throw you in jail? You know, what would that be like? And I think it's hard for anyone to not be curious what you would do in that situation. So he yeah. came into the studio and he was an absolutely lovely chap. And I think I prepared about four questions. And I did a half hour interview, I think it was. No problems at all. I just found the questions because I was just utterly curious about the whole journey and what had happened, what, what had gone through his mind. So I think when I started, it was entirely spontaneous. And then as I did more and more of them, you start to think about it, you start to become a little bit more careful. But what I kept trying to do was to get out my own way because I think one of the problems is that, is that people feel shy about asking questions. Mm, and, I agree. Right? I agree. But, but I don't think you should because if you are asking someone, it, it, this comes down to your motivation. If you are asking someone a question in order to trip them up, catch them out, or embarrass them, or because, and this is the worst thing, if you're trying to apply your own view of life onto someone else, then yes, you should feel embarrassed. You should feel ashamed, frankly. But if you are asking someone a question because you genuinely want to understand them and give an opportunity to talk, then there is nothing to be embarrassed about at all. You know, I, I mean, we could turn this around now and I would, I would love to interview you and find out what makes you think. And I yeah. would feel guilty about asking even the deepest questions because I'm not trying to embarrass you. I'm just genuinely interested. But I think yeah. time goes by. Sorry, sorry, go on. If you want to ask me something. No, I just wanted to mention that before I hit the record button, you asked me about my journey, which I was like, okay, this guy is really curious, right? So I, I realized that, right? But, but how can you not be? I mean, I'm I'm talking to you. You know, I've heard some of your podcasts, but we've never got to talk face-to-face -face before. So you're a fascinating, you're an absolutely fascinating person, right? You're living in Budapest, which is a city I don't live in. You've gone on this journey. You've you've been an architect. Well, why? Why did you come into podcasting? What <laughs> I love that. Why? Why were you curious? You know, there's. I've got thousands of questions, and I don't need to write these down. You, you just need to be interested. Um, yeah. So you said, sort of, how did it evolve? Um, I think, to a large extent, I still have no fear asking the most difficult questions, but only because I'm asking genuinely honest things. I'll give you another example, actually. I don't know why it keeps coming back to the whole sort of question of race after Donald Woods. But I remember a, a chap who was in the press one day, and he had released a report which was about educational attainment amongst different parts of society. And it was immediately panned in the tabloid press, so the ones where they just look for a you know, quick headline. And uh, that was the story. It was kind of like, oh, this is a disgusting report. We should suppress it. And it wasn't me that picked him. He was put on by the editor. And it was like, oh, gosh, how do I deal with this one? Because this has been quite controversial in the media that day. So I took my usual approach, which was to sort of say to him, well, look, what's your perspective on it? I, I kind of opened the mic. And when you actually found out what the full story was, he was actually trying to help. He was actually trying to solve problems and find solutions. And... 
you know, you can tell if someone is just talking absolute rubbish and they're lying, and you could feel it that they had just literally taken uh, one sentence out of this thing, twisted it beyond belief, and it had gone uh, gone national. And here was a guy who was trying to help, who genuinely had some really interesting ideas how to do it. Now, that to me is what podcasting, about what radio, about what interviewing is about, is about asking those, you know, if, if you've got an authentic question, there is nothing to be ashamed of there. Yeah, I think it's a really great point, especially something that you've mentioned, you know, many people are shy of asking questions, maybe a, a deeper question. And I think this is a great topic because sometimes I also feel the same. And also sometimes I feel I try to please the guest uh, during the conversation and I try to be, you know, nice. And, and, and therefore I just, you know, uh, don't ask hard questions, so to speak. But I think it's a, it's a great topic. And something I wanted to mention, and again, before I hit the record button, I, I've mentioned that I went through a coach training program uh, before I started podcasting. And some of the things that we learned about b- besides asking questions and listening was verbal softeners, right? So some of the things that you can put before a question, for example, let's say, you know, I wonder or I'm wondering... I'm wondering if it's okay to ask you about this, right? For example. Mm, I'm not sure I would say that because you're giving people permission to say no. It's kind of like plastic. I mean, maybe too robotic. (laughs) I I love what you're saying here. And I agree with you entirely because one of my techniques um, when I was doing live radio, if you wanted to ask a difficult question was that it may be in your mind, you got something very blunt. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So what you would do well, imagine we're literally doing it now you know i would sort of i would sort of go you know that that's really very interesting what you just said when when i think about that did you mean this is that is that what you were trying to say because mm-hmm. then you're giving them permission to say no it's not what i mean but you're not giving them a way out of not answering it mm-hmm. so i 100 percent agree with you that's a very good way of asking difficult questions yeah. And uh, speaking of which, basically, I wanted to ask you about this, because in one of your episodes, you talked about, you know, open-ended questions and closed questions. And I mainly tend to use, I would say, open-ended questions, but I think it's necessary. And, and as far as I, you know, heard it, well, now you asked actually a closed question, right? And so what are some of the questions that you use in an interview and and why or how can someone you know be more conscious about these things actually asking questions i think the most important thing here this is a really interesting question in itself the most important thing here is to know the different types and how to use them because there Mm -hmm. is no set way of doing it if i you have to an interview is a bit like a dance Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. When you start it, you could perhaps be asking open questions and it allows the guest to get lost or drift off or, you know, maybe not even through any intention of their own. But let's say, oh, let's give an example. You're asking a politician an open question. Well, <laughs> I've worked in politics and I can tell you that I would have certainly told the politician to not answer your question if they don't want to. So in which case you then need to start chunking down and going into closed questions and starting mm-hmm. to specify things more. So you need to be able to open and close based on what you're getting and how you're trying to guide that conversation. Um, now, yeah. the other way of approaching yeah. that is that 
sometimes people don't even know where to start. You might go in with a really open question and people kind of go, well, um, uh, I mean, and this is in their head. They're kind of going, oh, well, I could answer it like this or I could answer it like that. I I don't really know. And in which case, your duty as the interviewer to help them and to start guiding them. Mm. Another way is that when you don't, you seriously just don't understand what they've gone through. In which case, a question like saying, you know, just just tell me what was it like mm. is a great one because that allows them to go into the head and visualize what was happening. I'll give you an example on this because I, I know this was something that you were quite curious about was the um, the work I did on the documentary into the sex trade and, um, mm. and, and all wow. that. And I, it was the weirdest experience for me ever was to go to a brothel with a microphone I'd never been to one of these places before. And I reached out on the internet to try and find a madam who would be prepared to talk to me on a microphone. <laughs> okay. I mean, it's, just, it, it, it's still bizarre. I still laugh when I think about this. Yeah. I remember walking into this brothel and they took me into this room on the side and they quickly turned off the TV because you can imagine what was showing on the waiting room TV. Oh my God. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, they quickly turned this off and sat me down on this sofa, and you're looking around feeling uh, quite uncomfortable. And in walks this, this madam, and she was absolutely lovely, but she was clearly very good at her job, which is literally how she views it. And she came in and sat down next to me. And I mean, I mean, this is a bit of an aside, but one of the weirdest things was the fact that I actually moved away from her, which I felt guilty about at the time. But you know, this is part of, I think, if you're doing face-to-face interviews for a podcast as well, it's fascinating to watch yourself, not just the people you talk to. Mm. And wow. so here was this person who she didn't really know what to make of me. She didn't know whether I was going to try and humiliate her, but she'd given me a chance. And in that particular situation, I knew I needed open-ended questions in order to get her to open up and tell me her story. So pretty much all I did for that whole interview was just sort of said, you know, what was it like? I mean, you know, can you describe to me what it was like that first time? I mean, how did it feel? Yeah. And you leave hanging there and she started to talk. And I remember her face. She looked at me at first and I had quite a few interviews like this where they look at you first and they kind of go, what's he trying to do? And then they realize that you're being authentic and genuine and curious. And my gosh, the story she told me was so powerful. You know, I didn't need to do anything. She, her, her words were just absolutely incredible. So in that particular case where you've got someone that is unsure, you're giving them the opportunity to just tell their story with a big open-ended question. But a politician, it's time to, it's time to chunk down on that one. Yeah, absolutely. I, I love it. You know, the, the opening up and chunking down, that's, that's a really great takeaway, I think. Yeah, uh, absolutely. And, um, you know, for example, in this podcast, we talked, sometimes we talked about the first question in an interview. And if it's very, very open-ended, for example, someone can tell their life story, so to speak. So for me, it's always interesting to think about how I want to start a conversation and what's the first question. And this is actually, I learned during this journey because I haven't really thought about this when I was hosting the Mindset Horizon podcast, but I had a feeling that maybe I should start something uh, somehow differently because my first question always was, okay, so tell us about your story. And this is really 
you know, just opens up any kind of <laughs> possibility. Yeah. But I, I think I think that's duty on guests as well, because when you're being interviewed, just as much as when you're interviewing, ultimately mm-hmm. you've got to say, well, what are we trying to deliver here? You know, from the point of view of this this podcast, you know, why are people listening to us right well, I hope hopefully they're listening to us right now. You know, they want some value from it. They don't want to they don't want to hear Tibra and me down the bar having a drink and talking about life. You know, no one does. We don't listen to a podcast just simply so just simply to hear some waffle. Maybe if they're comedic or entertaining or in a particular different way, maybe. But we've got to deliver some value. So it's like from my point of view, when I, I thought about coming on the show and I thought, what what can I say? And if 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 I do get asked about my life story, how can I apply that to podcasting and show how what I went through applies to things that you can learn in podcasting. So I think even when you're asking someone their life story, it's not so much kind of going, oh, you know, what did you buy at the shops this morning? Because no one cares. You know, it's, yeah. it's what, how did your life story happen in the way it relates to, I think you actually said this, in relates to podcasting. Mm-hmm. So yeah. frame that much better because as you say, otherwise you could, you could just go off anywhere. The, the other thing, and I thought you made a really interesting point about this as well, was being nice to guests. Mm-hmm. And it can be tempting to start an interview with some very soft questions that make the guests feel great, but are really boring for the listeners to listen to. Mm-hmm. And I think one, that's a good reason for editing as, as well. But secondly is that I think it's also helpful. And I, and I know you've talked about this before is to do a little bit of a preamble. And in fact, we did as well, just to kind of get to know each other before we started, because it helps to get over that initial ice breaking. And it yeah. when you start the interview, you can actually start getting into more meaty stuff. Because otherwise, it may be great for you, it may be great for the guests, but no one else is going to care. And they're going to switch off before they get to the good stuff. I couldn't agree more. And actually, I wanted to, as we were talking about questions and asking questions and how to do that, I wanted to ask you about rapport building because you have some experience, you know, with in-person interviews and 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 uh, not in person. So I think these are some of the things or the things that you've mentioned are some of the things that are great for building rapport, but maybe you have something else in mind. Yeah, it, it's it's about reading the situation. You know, it's sometimes people kind of go, oh, I don't know how to build rapport. And it's like, well, you don't have a problem with your friends. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, We already know how to do it. Again, it's about watching other people. It's about thinking about them and how they're feeling rather than you. What is up, my friend? I hope you're enjoying today's episode and we're going to get back to this conversation very soon. But first, I want to tell you a story. So you might already know that I've been hosting my other show, The Mindset Horizon Podcast, for more than a year now. And while doing so, I was experimenting with producing and releasing more content in order to grow my audience. You see, releasing content more frequently can have a huge impact on growing your download numbers. There was a time where I released daily content on The Mindset Horizon Podcast, but I needed to pay a lot more for hosting services just because of doing so. On top of all that, I was thinking about starting my second podcast, the one you are listening to right now, the Podcast Interview Mastery Show. This is how I decided to look for other hosting solutions that support podcast growth. I was more than glad when I found Captivate, the world's only growth-oriented podcast host. With Captivate, you don't have to worry about paying more if you want to release more content or if you want to create more podcasts because they charge monthly fees based on download numbers. Captivate is the only podcast host 
that supports your creativity with unlimited podcasts for one inclusive price. That is why it was a no-brainer for me to leave my previous hosting provider and choose Captivate. So if you are thinking about producing more content for your existing show or you want to start more podcasts, I would highly recommend checking out Captivate at MindsetHorizon.com forward slash Captivate. That's MindsetHorizon.com forward slash Captivate. Again, releasing content more frequently can have a huge impact on your download numbers, but can you do it without paying more for hosting services? With Captivate, you absolutely can. Check out Captivate at MindsetHorizon.com forward slash Captivate and start growing your show exponentially. All right, my friends, so without any further ado, let's get back to today's interview mastery episode. So if I was doing a blunt conversation with with someone that is not giving me answers, then I'm going to be making direct eye contact with them, and I'm going to be making it clear that I'm asking a clear question. And I mean, you could hear the tone of my voice change, because although you can't <laughs> yeah. the moment, I just looked at the microphone and I imagined I was looking at, at the person I was talking to. Yeah. So I'm changing my tonality of my voice. I've actually changed my, my body without even thinking about it. My eyes are staring now. So that is making it clear that I'm asking some direct questions and I want some answers and I'm serious. Now, if you imagine that same situation again in that brothel, if I'd done that, she'd have probably clammed up and said nothing and said, get out. So I actually glanced at her i made sort of a little bit of eye contact but on the whole and this is something that i've found actually is incredibly powerful when you're doing interviews with people who are nervous mm. is don't face don't sit face to face with them even even by the way if you're doing a, a remote interview over a webcam don't just lean into the camera and stare at them <laughs> yeah look away because when you look away people feel more relaxed if you're sitting in an actual room with someone, sit at, um, trying to think what's the correct angle at this, 90 degrees to them. So instead of facing face-to-face, actually sit slightly off from them because it will relax them. And you can move in later if you want to, if the rapport has started to build. But you start off by just being a bit away because it is far less aggressive and in your face and far more comforting for those, those guests. But I think wow. the main thing is just to kind of read their mood and their tone. And and feel how they feel. You know, it's pretty obvious if someone's nervous. I think, uh, yeah, I mean, uh, for me, it's really, at least for me now, it's, it's, it's a really great advice because um, it reminded me of the fact that I was thinking about, you know, video podcasting, like doing video interviews as well. And I think it's a great thing because, I mean, what you've said, because what I thought about was maybe it's more complicated to make the guests feel at ease with video as well because they you know are distracted by how they look like in the camera or whatever and i kept doing audio only interviews but it's a great advice for for those who do in-person interviews or video podcasting or something like that i think it's an interesting mix personally and it's funny i was just as you were saying that i was thinking how am i reacting during our interview now we can't see each other here and I, I yeah. personally like making eye contact, and my eyes are darting all over the room because they're looking for <laughs> they're looking for your eyes so that I can read you and see how what you need from me and this kind of thing. So I actually prefer to do video interviews, but some mm-hmm. people, you know, would like to have a whole set of sheets of paper around them or be looking at a screen with notes on it and stuff like that. I have that. Sorry. <laughs> 
I have that right now in front of me. <laughs> yeah. um, but for me, you know, I would, I like to see their face because then, you know, so often, okay, you know, it's, we're talking about the value of an interview, right? And it's very easy to ask stock questions and get the same stock answers that someone, particularly if someone does a lot of, you mentioned the phrase guesting, has done 10 other interviews and they've given the same answers on everything. It's very easy to ask the same question and get the same stock answer. But in which case, why should anyone bother to listen to your podcast? You, you've got to get something which is a bit original and a bit different. And one of the ways to spot that in people is to see their eyes, because often you can see when they mentally edit something out. Now, that may not be they didn't want to say it. It could be just that they thought you might be bored or they might think, oh, I'll say that instead. And so often when I was doing face-to-face interviews with people, that was the moment that I knew there was the story. I didn't know what it was yet, but that was the bit. So you would then dig into that a bit and often you would find that that was the thing that made all the difference. That was the deep bit that they they maybe hadn't quite got the words right for yet, but that's the stuff that is going to make people talk about it and probably be the clip that you put on your social media to promote your episode as well. Wow, that's 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 huge, I would say. And that's a great point. And uh, yes, absolutely. So for example, body language, facial expression, whatever it is, this is obviously something that I don't have when I just do audio only uh, interviews, which can be, as you are saying, really helpful. And I couldn't agree more. That's a great point. And I had someone on who has a video podcast and we were talking about, uh, he mentioned body language that he focuses on, you know, looking at the guests and, 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 and what they do, their facial expression and stuff. So that can be really helpful. So obviously, uh, great takeaway there i think you can hear it in someone's voice but you know it's that, that old thing of what is it is it 70 percent is body language 30 percent is tonality or something like that my maths isn't very good and seven percent is words there's some some research that was done so i think you can read so much through body language and and you know if your aim is those great stories anything that you can use in your your toolkit to do that is good yeah, absolutely. I, I I don't know the numbers either, but I was kind of like uh, interested in this topic as I was living in Germany. I was using the German language and also with English. I realized that, for example, in the office in Germany, sometimes I couldn't express myself with the language. And so I was just showing something or drawing something. So body language and, and that kind of communication, nonverbal communication is obviously also, you know, very, can be very efficient if i may say so <laughs> yeah yeah it's very it's very useful you know, it's, it's interesting you were asking me a little bit earlier you said about asking questions and being shy about asking questions yeah let's try something if, if you forget any question that you thought about for this interview so far right and you've got me so you know former news editor journalist on on the end of the line if you forget any stock questions, any questions you might have thought of so far, what is it deep in your gut that you would most like to ask me? However embarrassing, awkward, or whatever, it doesn't matter. That's irrelevant. What in your gut would you be most curious about if you could ask one one question and I had to answer it? The first question that comes to mind is, which one was your best interviews, uh, interview and why? why? Why are you curious about that, though? What is it you really want to know? I'm curious because I I want to know why you felt that way, right? So I mean I mean 
uh, feeling, let's say, I, I'm curious about the feeling connected to conducting a great interview and feeling proud about that. Okay. And why do you want to know that? Well, um, if, you, if you think about it, what I'm doing here is I'm digging down into what is it really in your gut that is what you really want to know. And I think anyone asking questions, you, you, this is a really good exercise to do, is to keep chunking down and keep going, what is it I really, really want to know? Another thing I want to know is why is it important to you to do this exploration with the podcast? What is the desire behind that? What is the deep desire behind that? Yeah. And and when you ask it, and I'm happy to answer it, but why <laughs> why is it that you want to know that? This is what I keep asking myself when I'm asking myself, what questions do I want to ask? You know, why? What is it I'm really trying to get at? Is it because I want to do it myself? Is it because um, I'm feeling that frustration too? Is it that I want to know what makes a hit show? Do you see, do you see what I mean? Because mm -hmm. I think every single person listening to this right now has a different perspective on this world, literally every single person. And we could all go and ask exactly the same questions to the same guests and come up with the same podcast and no one's going to listen. But what will allow us to be unique is to add our own perspective onto this. And the only way we can do that is by asking those questions that are really, really deep inside us and we, we want to ask, not anyone else, that mm. we want to ask related to our own experience. And it's by doing that that we add these new angles and these new twists to what could be a stock interview and make it stand out and be unique for your show, your niche, your podcast, your topic. That's a that's a great topic because you know most of the times I think about what would be useful to the audience, right? And so I kind of like try to think about that first before I listen to my curiosity and maybe that's something that someone can think about how they want to approach this topic. <laughs> but I bet you are your audience as well. Yeah. You are, you know, in, in terms of what I'm trying to do, you know, can I make a hit podcast? I know that there are lots of other people out there who are trying to work out how to make a hit podcast. So with you, you're trying to show people how to do great interviews and how to tap into that because you are genuinely curious too. Otherwise you wouldn't be doing it. So it's, yeah. It's that perspective that you add that makes your podcast stand out from the others. You know, there, there will be, inevitably with every podcast, there will be other podcasts out there talking about doing interviews, but you can add a, your own unique twist to this. And everyone doing whatever topic they're doing can add their own unique twist to this by really digging down to what I want to know. It's how I do all my interviews on radios, just what do I want to know? What do I, why am I so curious about this? One thing I actually, this leads us to what I also wanted to dive into, which is we talked about this to some extent, you know, um, one of the ways to grow a podcast is, you know, the word of mouth. So if people start talking about the show and they, they start recommending the show and I'm kind of like curious about your findings, right? So you started this podcast uh, can I make a hit show? And so what what are some of the findings connected to, what are some of the things that you found connected to, you know, what makes people come back to a show and want to listen to a show? Some of the things that you talked about is storytelling. So I'm kind of like curious about that. So if someone asked me, you know, what's the purpose 
you know, behind basically interviews is, yes, I focus on the interview format, but more importantly, the bigger picture is how can I create an audio experience for the listeners so that they are just, you know, super satisfied with the experience and they start talking about the show and they want to come back. And so what's that thing? I I think... Now, this is an interesting one because I've been exploring this in different ways, like we were discussing before as well. And when you're doing a straightforward interview, like we're doing now, a straightforward one-on-one, is that the only way you can really develop that into a story is by structuring your interview far more. What what I found, I've always been a terrible storyteller, and I know because I remember being a best man at a wedding. And uh, I gave a speech and there wasn't a single laugh. Uh, I mean, it was just terrible and so i've been trying to find out what it is that actually works and it's actually about value ultimately you've got to give people something and you've got to hold off the final punchline of that value the final piece of the puzzle until the end so at the beginning of a story you've got to suggest a situation that also hints towards a resolution so it's it's kind of like setting a problem so um, or describing a scenario where it, there's a bit missing out. And that creates an emotional tension. I'm fascinated by this chap, Ira Glass, from This American Life, who I'm sure mm. a lot of people mm-hmm. will know, because he talks about, about this a lot as well. Um, so it's, <laughs> when you create a scenario in someone's head but leave a bit out, you actually get a, a physiological response to this. You you actually start to feel uncomfortable, but that kicks off endorphins and dopamine and all these chemicals in your body that starts to make you addicted. And as that story goes on bit by bit and starts to build, but keeps leaving a bit out, you maintain that pumping out of endorphins into your body that keeps you addicted. And the longer you stay with that, the more this builds up and the more tense you get and the more you just want to know what happened at the end. You know, it's a bit like, <laughs> watching, um, you know, a TV show and you, you get to that cliffhanger at the end of the episode and you're, you know, you almost want to throw a brick at the TV because you're just so pumped up on all these chemicals that you're, you just need to know how this finishes. Mm, yeah and the final and so you keep giving a bit more information a bit more but you keep leaving something out and then at the end you add in that final piece of the puzzle the point the punchline the end of that story so it creates this physical response and this is something that i have been really trying to explore with the show and learn about how to do this um and one of the techniques that i found which has has helped me and i think has helped the way i deliver something is that and again, this doesn't relate so well to doing guest interviews, but is that you're delivering each piece of information through the course of your podcast, not just by building, but by answering the next question that someone has in their mind as a listener. So I'm trying to think of an example on the spot here, but if I said something like, um, uh, you know, how do you make a good podcast? That's a bit too vague. Um yeah. Let me give an example from Wondery, um, and they have that that amazing series called Business Wars. And they mm-hmm. started off this show about, I think it was Boeing versus Airbus. And they begin the episode by saying, uh, 
about this chap, this, uh, I can't remember his name, but let's say Giancarlo was a fisherman outside a port in southern Italy. And one day he was on his boat and it was rocking backwards and forwards in the waves and there was the sound of seagulls around. And he was looking up at the clouds going over on the sunny day and there was this roar in the air and I'm trying to remember it as close as I can, uh, this roar in the air. And he looked up and he saw one of these new shining metal jets. Then a few moments later, there was a loud thud. He thought something had gone wrong with the boat. But moments later, he saw pieces of metal falling from the sky. So there you've got a scenario where you're like going, oh, what happened? Clearly a plane blew up, but you don't really know what happened. Yeah. So it's left you with a bunch of questions that now the endorphins are starting to pump into your body going, well, I want to know. Mm. Yeah. So then through the rest of the episode, they gradually sort of piece that all together and, and it gets to the end. It's a bit like why, why crime shows are so successful because you're constantly going, yes, but what about that bit? What about that bit? What about that bit? You're getting these endorphins pumping into your body. But how you can apply that to guest interviews is an interesting one and not something I've explored yet. But if you th- I suppose if you think about it, it's about trying to develop the flow of the interview so that it starts off with a problem, a clearly defined problem rather than a generalized problem. And then it leads through that and explores the different aspects of that until it finally gets to the end and completes the picture. So it's a so as a metaphor, you imagine a jigsaw puzzle, and that's the answer, and it's made up of loads of bits. And you start off by saying what this problem is we're going to solve in some way. And then each question relates to filling in one piece of that jigsaw puzzle so that you end the show when the whole thing is together. It's a really interesting point, this team. I love it. You're getting me thinking aloud here, and it's something that I want to explore and try. We should do something <laughs> together on this because I think I think there could be something in that. It could be really interesting. I mean, uh, I was thinking about this, and um, you know, there's this. Yeah, I was like, you know, how can I how can I tell a story with an interview? And and obviously, if, if I'm ex- exploring someone's story, you know. From from beginning to end, that's 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 the story, and then I ask questions connected to the story, and and I'm trying to figure out what's happened there, how did you feel, whatever. But that's that's a story. So when the podcast is a little bit more, let's say like this, more informational, and um, we focus on one specific topic, so to speak, that's a little bit different. But I'm also exploring how to how to do this, and um, the the outline that I sent to you says, you know. Um, the hero's journey of the podcast host, right? Yeah. And so I kind of like want to, now we didn't really follow that outline, but, you know, I had this idea in mind that I kind of like start with how they struggled with interviews, how they overcame those struggles and what they kind of like learned from that experience. And so, and then how they became world-class interviewers. So that's kind of like a a storyline for that concept. But within that, I could, you know, go on a on a tangent and and talk about different uh, little stories. For example, you've shared a couple of stories during this interview, which is which is uh, stories in the big picture, so to speak. And uh, yeah, it's really exciting. And you've mentioned something, you know, hook. And um, I have a hook basically in the beginning of the episode, so connected to how I structure my episodes. It's basically just a teaser. Um, it, it's usually a 30 seconds teaser that I have before the intro starts. So I kind of like start 
you know, all the episodes with a teaser in the beginning, because I want to hook people's attention with something interesting from the conversation. And when I introduce the guest before, you know, I play the conversation or the interview, I kind of like want to talk about, I summarize the episode, but I want to highlight the most interesting parts so that they keep listening. Um, that's what I did. That's what I've done so far. But, you know, I'm always thinking how I could develop the stuff. <laughs> I think it's really interesting this because, you know, narrative storytelling, which is such a powerful podcasting technique, is very different to doing interviews. But there's no reason why, as you rightly say, that you can't apply that same structure within the interview. You know, you, you, when I was doing journalism interviews, a lot of these were fairly short. They were sort of five, ten minutes. So you would be, as we were saying earlier, it's about getting those really powerful comments, getting those really powerful insights within that time. But there wasn't really a need to develop a, a story within a within a one-on-one -on -one within that short time. But when you're doing something in longer form, then it does lend itself to, as you just said there, you know, what is that journey or where is it going to? But ultimately, that story has got to be about delivering some specific value or solution or something that listeners can go away with and say, I learned something from that. I didn't just hear a story. I learned something that I can use from that. You know, So I agree with you. I totally agree with you. Yeah, absolutely. So in one of your, in, in one of your episodes, you talked about this, that you kind of like need to entertain and inform as well. And you, you've said something like listeners get hooked because we hear a story and we want to know what happened next. And uh, a story is powerful if it gives you the tools to achieve something. So, you know, there, there's this bigger story. Now, it, it, maybe it's an interview, but, you know, in a story, there are some tools that people can actually used to achieve something or they can implement yeah it's about learning a, yeah. a story on its own that you know i mean ultimately and we i think this isn't another thing it's about being brutally honest with yourself ultimately we only listen to something if we get something from it we you know if we're really brutal we don't actually care about other people's lives we care about our own but what fascinates us is learning about things because it stimulates us or educates us or teaches us something or we're fascinated by an experience and wondering what we would do or or have gone through in that way so a story even a story about you know airliners boeing versus um airbus we're still kind of fascinated because we listen to it and kind of go what would we do or how would we react if we were giancarlo sitting in the boat watching that metal coming out of the sky that day yeah. So, you know, it's not just learning as in like, here's 10 points about, uh, you know, how to, how to bake a cake. It's learning emotionally as well. But if we don't learn something from that, then a story doesn't really work on its own. It, it does to an extent, but story combined with learning is the most powerful thing from all the research I've done. I'm trying to nail it, but I can see how it works. And that's what I've talked about, all the things that I've saw, seen and researched in the podcast. Yeah. Yeah, I love that. That's that's great. I also want to focus more on that in the future. And um, yeah, so one thing I had in mind besides what we've talked about is you've mentioned that you do video interviews. And in one of your episodes, again, I've heard you say, you know, you use Zoom and Zencaster and Audacity at the same time. So I wasn't sure. And I was like, maybe I can ask you about this because that seems to be a technical 
you know, um, challenge. <laughs> what I did was I started using Zoom and I just wasn't quite happy with the sound. Now, they've actually introduced some new setting now, which I need to research more, but it's something like original sound and mm -hmm. reduces the compression on that. But the problem is, is that you can hear when someone's done a Zoom interview. Now, sometimes it's just easier to do it that way, particularly if you've got someone, a guest who's not particularly tech savvy, and it means that you can just get on with it and not have to spend you know an hour trying to set them up. But Zencaster, I find, has got amazing sound quality. So what I've done so far is to use Zoom as my way of seeing the person and also to record a backup recording as well. But then I use Zencaster as well to record the sound. And then the result of that is I get a, a much crisper sound. Um, now That's amazing. Yeah, now I think Zoom are trying to improve this, as I say, with that original sound quality. So what we say now could, ch could change by next week or the month after. But at the moment, it is just not as good as Zencaster. And if you've got people using good mics, like hopefully we are at the moment, Zencaster is just going to add a richness and a depth to the sound that Zoom is not going to do. So I, I use them both together. And there's actually a setting within Zencaster, and I'm reluctant to touch it now because we're obviously recording. But you click on it and it's something like don't use voice over IP or something. It's a particular setting in there that stops you getting then feedback because you're recording on two bits of software at once. And it's been amazing so far when I've used it. It's absolutely worked beautifully. Wow. I think that's that's a great advice and a great piece of information because that's a good good way of of of, of trying this out if you want to conduct video interviews and and that's great. I mean, I didn't do that before, but that's a great idea, to be honest. So thanks for sharing. This is one of the wonderful things I love about podcasting is that, you know, it is such a friendly community and there's so many ideas and tips out there. So you know, I love yeah. about this now. It's great. Yeah, I also have a Rodecaster Pro, so I could, <laughs> I mean, I, I have different options here now to <laughs> combine. Well, that, that's um, in itself because it's, you know, a lot of people think that, it can get bogged down in the technicals and it's like with a few little tricks often if you just reach out and ask people this you know you've got some great ideas and hopefully i've got a few ideas that help as well there's so much advice out there it is it is amazing yeah yeah absolutely so thanks again for sharing and uh as we are coming to the end of the episode i usually ask my guests about you know some resources connected to maybe you have some books in mind or podcast hosts that we can listen to, you know, so that we can become better interviewers and podcasters. Do you have anything in mind? I know you've asked this question before, and I and I thought, what am I going to do when Tibor asked me this? <laughs> and I thought, I don't think I've actually read any books on podcasting. I, I <laughs> books on investigative journalism, so that I could do it and put them into practice. But um, I would say the best way of learning about podcasting is to listen mm. to podcasts. Um, yeah. And I, I don't mean just listen to someone in your niche. I mean, listen, I, I was fascinated. I put out a, a tweet on Twitter the other day and saying, has anyone got any podcast recommendations? And someone replied and said about um, a running podcast. And this was an ultra athlete, one of these people that does like 100 miles in you know, a couple of days. I don't know how they do it. And he said, oh, why not listen to this? And I thought, well, I have no interest in running at all. None at all. But I'm again, I'm curious. So 
I was on a long car journey. I popped the podcast on and I listened to the whole thing. And it's literally just him talking the whole time describing this race. And he has a bit of music in the background. Mm-hmm. And this was a style that I've not heard before because it was part story, part his thoughts coming out aloud. And it was absolutely fascinating. You got inside the mind of an ultra athlete in a way I've never seen on any TV program or radio or podcast before. Because it was wow. relaying his real feelings. And he wasn't a presenter in the sense that, you know, he didn't have a big booming voice or anything like this. It was just this authentic guy. Uh, I, I, I'll have to share you the link later because I, I can't remember what the podcast was called. But I listened to the whole thing. I, I think it was about 40 minutes, something like that. And I didn't get bored once. So wow. listening to different styles and, and totally different topics and picking up ideas... I think it's the most useful thing you can do. I mean, one of the reasons for my show, you know, a lot of what I'm doing now, kind of make a hit podcast, is not actually about me at all. It's about going, what do other people do? How could I apply that to me? Yeah, I think it's a great advice to listen to different uh, podcasts with different topics and because they might present their stuff differently. And this is what I also try to think about when someone comes on the show and, and they have... You know, for example, I had a guest on who who had a gardening podcast. And so what are some of the things that are are unique when, when you talk about that or when you conduct interviews, having that topic in mind, so to speak? Yeah, that's amazing. So before I ask my last question, what's the best way to connect with you and, and learn more about your podcast? Sure. I mean, the podcast itself is literally, and I know it's very long and people go, you should have a short podcast, but it was... I set this podcast up out of frustration. So there was not a plan. There was not a good idea behind it. So it is literally the words, can I make a hit podcast.com is the website. Can I make a hit podcast.com? So you can find the links to all the main platforms on there. Um, and also you should be able to search for it on, you know, all the usual places, your apples, your Spotify's and stuff like that. Um, in terms of me, then it's, uh, you know, I know a lot of people sort of have have businesses doing this kind of thing. This is just a personal passion of mine now, not not working in radio or podcasting full time. So um, I, the only website that I can suggest is richardmidson.com, which is just me. If you want to get in contact with me, feel free to. It's got a little bit about, about me, but there's no sort of products or books or anything like that to buy, nothing. It's just literally a little bit about me. And that is Richard Midson, which is M-I-D-S-O-N.com. Or one word yeah that's awesome from london uk that's right. pretty cool yeah. london, UK, from, from the rain and the cloud <laughs> i i have a one of my favorite podcasts is hospital records it's a drum and bass podcast uh, from london so i have been listening to that podcast for uh for a couple of years and uh <laughs> do, do they talk about the weather yeah sometimes uh the host mentions so many times actually he mentions that you know it's raining and stuff like that so <laughs> people people imagine what london is like and they see these pictures of it raining what you saw online is absolutely true it does most of the time yes i'm afraid it's yeah. the rumors are true yeah absolutely and uh the links are going to be in the show notes and available on our website mindsethorizon.com forward slash interview so people can check out the links uh, in the show notes and my last question Richard is what is your vision for your podcast in the future or what's what's next for 
Can I make a hit podcast? The answer to that is I don't know. And that is a positive rather than positive because I don't know what the answer is to how to make a hit podcast, but I'm going to find out. Curiosity, right? Because by constant, you know, by constantly looking for new things, trying things, uh, I mean, I know it's a very sort of woo-woo type out there phrase, but the only way of failing at something is to give up. Mm, yeah. I'm going to keep trying things. I'm going to keep experimenting. I'm going to keep reporting on what works and what doesn't and see what actually works. You know, one of the things that I'm making as a as a side project, well, it's directly involved in it on, on the podcast, is I'm trying something out. So I'm actually making a narrative podcast in the style of the sort of This American Life thing. And the podcast is called How Not to Get Old and Boring. And I've interviewed five very, very different people from around the world. Um, I've had a, a chap from New York who's in a band. I've had a guy who um, broke his, well, badly injured his back and then became a world champion martial artist a couple of years later. A chap who was in the military and then set up the International Horse Jousting Association. So this is like knights in shining armor when he was in his 50s. Um, another chap who had it all, lost it all, and has come, and has bounced back. And these people are all very, very different stories, but they've all gone through a, the same journey, which is to have something good, it all fall apart, to bounce back, to refuse to get old, and now they're expressing to us how they've done that and their journey. So I'm interweaving it all together into one narrative podcast with five different stories at once. Um, wow. Is, is totally, you know, I mean, it's an interesting project to do. But it's very much about saying, well, can I make a narrative podcast? How can I make it efficiently? How can I make something that is biologically addictive, like we were talking about earlier, so that people, when they listen to it, go, I've got to listen to the end. I need to know what happened. And that's what I'm testing directly. Wow. That sounds amazing. And uh, thanks for sharing. And I wish you good luck Thank with you. your... Well, I, I hope... I mean, there's the, you know, the only final thing I, I would say with is that when I was in journalism, and this was before podcasting really kicked off when I was in this Prime My Journalism, is that we used to interview the same guests almost every day about the same topics. And I knew even then that there were people out there who had amazing stories. And now that podcasting is here, yeah, you've got these big companies who are doing this stuff at the top, but in order to reach a big audience... They have to dumb down their content to reach as big an audience as possible. There is still a unique opportunity for people in the niche, like what you're doing, Tiba, like I'm trying to do, like everyone listening to this is doing, to make something that really resonates with people and stands out. And now this technology is here for us to deliver these stories. I want to hear as many of them as I can because there's so much amazing stuff out there. Um, if people are cautious about doing it or doing interviews or getting worried or, you know, they're trying to pick up some techniques from here, please just go and do it because I want to hear your story. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. Thanks for sharing. And that's a great inspiration for all of us. And thank you so much for being on the show. I really appreciate it. It has been a huge amount of fun and fascinating talking to you as well, too. I appreciate you joining us for this episode of the Podcast Interview Mastery Show. If you feel inspired to hang out with other like-minded podcasters, 
make sure to join the podcast InterUnation community at mindsethorizon.com forward slash InterUnation. If you want to check out the details, show notes, book recommendations, interview tips, and free resources, please make sure to head over to our website, mindsethorizon.com forward slash interview. I really hope this episode's been highly valuable to you. I will catch you next time. And until then, be world class, my friend.